Would you help me thank this worship team today for what? Amen. And if you've got breath in your lungs this morning like I do, and you know who put it there and why it's there, would you just praise him one, one more time? Thank you so much for being here at this 9 o'clock service this morning. If it happens to be the first time you've been at Connections Church, in the building or online, we welcome you and hope that you already feel welcome. Hope that you already feel at home because we like to say here, if you're here, you're home. Or is that Olive Garden that says that? Anyway, we may have stole that, but it's okay. We are in the last week, being the last Sunday of the month of October in our series called I Believe. Everybody say, I Believe. And the question that's going to be posed to us this morning when we have now said that is, what do we believe? So get ready. If you've got your Bibles, please get those open. We're not going to flip around too much, but open those up. And I'm just going to go ahead and have you go to Romans chapter 8 and just stick your finger there and wait. How many of you are really good at waiting? What? You got to have patience, people. It's one of the fruit, Okay. You got to be good at waiting. So just get your finger into Romans chapter 8 if you got your electronic device. If you didn't bring your Bible, maybe you're going to have to scooch over next to somebody who did because I'm going to want you to see something in just a little while. But we're going to talk about, I believe, as we wrap up our series this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that it's Sunday. Anybody else? And the reason I'm glad that it's Sunday is because Sunday is the first day of a new week. We had a new week in front of us. Last week is gone. Praise God for that. I had a few times last week when, how should I say, um, things weren't going well. I had a, a few times last week, to be honest with you, that I was struggling. Was anybody else just in a struggle last week? Maybe it was just me. I had a feeling there'd be a couple more of you here. Life just seemed to be hard during part of last week. At one point last week, I couldn't place my mind on, on one thing, not one thing that I felt good about myself. I just couldn't put my mind on it. It, it. There was just a point last week where I was trying really hard, really desperately trying to just put my mind and my finger on one thing and say, look, look here. And I just couldn't do it. It was as if I hadn't done anything right in my life. And I know that that's just my mind. It's just what we all go through, but I, I couldn't put a finger on it. I had some times last week when I just didn't want to pray. Is it okay if I'm just honest with you this morning? I just didn't feel like it. I had some times last week, more than one time last week, where I didn't feel like reading this book. Some of you look shocked. But I just didn't want to pick it up. I didn't want to hear what it had to say. There was a time last week when I texted a message to a brother and said, I just want somebody to know 
I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now. I doubted last week. I doubted that I was capable of living the Christian life or really capable of doing anything. I just doubted. I doubted that I was a good person. I doubted that I was a a good father. I, I doubted that I was a good husband last week. I even doubted that I was saved or that I was capable of being saved. Not six years ago, last week. I remember times last week when I felt like I wasn't even a good human being, at least in my thoughts. Last week, I disappointed people. I disappointed people that I love with all my heart and that I would give my life for, but I disappointed them. Last week, I disappointed myself. And in my mind, I disappointed God. How's that sound for the guy that's standing in front of you this morning? But the reality is that some of you may have had the same kind of week I did. And we don't like to talk about it a lot, and we don't like to admit it a lot, but I felt, if I can use that word this morning, that I should come and tell you what my week was like. What we tend to say to the person at Walmart or Lowe's or whatever acquaintances that we meet throughout the week when they say, how are you doing? We, man, I'm great. What we should say is, man, I'm really struggling right now. When we're struggling right now. Now, I saw some of you last week in stores or wherever we met and You didn't know I was going through this, uh, what we call in church, a valley. We sang about a valley this morning. You you didn't know I was going through a valley. You know why? Because I hide it really good. I just cover it up and I just make everything seem just fine. Some of you are like, yeah, I know you know what I'm talking about because some of you are better at it than I am. And you've been struggling for a long time, but you won't let anybody know and you won't be honest with yourself or anybody else. You won't want anybody to see it. So knowing this moment would come, and every speaker, every pastor goes through that when it's their turn to come up on a Sunday morning and and bring the word of God. Every pastor goes through this thing where we know that we're going to be standing in front of people People that are expecting something. They got up and they put on their best clothes and put on a little extra smell good and showed up at a church service and there's an expectation that somebody's going to stand up and say something that's going to make them feel good. That's going to point to the great things that are going on in their lives and pat them on the back and send them out. And I could have done that. I could have just wrote a warm and fuzzy homily for all of us to enjoy today and we could have left here feeling good about ourselves and encouraged but those of you that know me know that's not going to happen 
I'm not here, and I'm assuming you're not here to play games. I could have played games at home and got a little extra sleep this morning. But that's not why I came. And so here's what it boiled down for me this week. Here's where I ended up in in all of those... um, valley moments that I had this week and all of the frustration and all of the discouragement and the times when I didn't feel like doing any of those things that I already mentioned I in the times where I couldn't see the victories that God has brought me in a week where I didn't follow my Bible reading plan anybody else just feel like being honest about that today it feels good to be honest doesn't it In a week where it would have been easy for me to just hang it up and walk away and say, it's too hard, I can't do it. Here's the question, and you might want to write this down, that that just rang in my head. What do you believe? What do you believe? I'm talking gut level here. I'm not talking about, well, I think this might be right, or this feels right, or it's mostly true. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the, when the real challenges of life come, when, when tragedy strikes, and some of you have had tragedy in your life last week. When emotions are running crazy and you feel like you are losing your mind. When you're in that valley and the question comes, what do you believe? Now, how many of you know and would acknowledge this morning with me that we live in an insane world? It's just upside down. It's just insane. And I would love to go into it with you this morning, but I'll go off the deep end. So I'm not going to. You know what I'm talking about. It's an insane world, a world where Christian belief structures are dissolving faster than sugar in warm water. So I'm not asking what do they believe. See, a lot of times when we ask ourselves or somebody asks us, what do you believe? We tell them what somebody else believes. We, we say what they believe and who are they anyway? This morning, I'm asking us to think about what do we believe? Us, make it personal. What do I believe? I'm not asking you what the people at work believe. People at work, they may believe what you believe, but they may also be leading you to believe something else that you don't want to believe. Do you believe that? (laughs) The question got very real for me this last week. And I want it to get really real for you today. What do you believe? And so here's what I came up with. As that question rolled around in my head and, 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 and I had to get some things on paper. What is it that I believe? Well, first thing we might say is, well, we just believe the Bible. Well, you're going to have to be more specific for me this morning than that. Because none of us know that word the way we should know that word. So we can't just generalize and say, well, we just believe what's in the Bible. You put us to the test. You you let the fire get hot, and then let's see what you really believe. So 
What I came up with this week, and and I want you to try it on for size, is just this. I just wanted it to be simple this morning. I've said that before, but how many of you are just okay if stuff's just simple today? Let's don't make it complicated. So here it is. I believe Jesus. That's it. I, I don't want things in my life to be complicated anymore. I don't want to have to explain for six hours what I mean when I say something. I just want things to be simple. And so I believe Jesus. That's it. I just wanted to live in that moment for a while this week. While I was kind of depressed and kind of anxious and kind of down on myself and, and couldn't see anything good inside of me, what I came up with is just, I believe Jesus. Now, we started the month and we talked about what we believed as far as human sexuality and marriage and all that stuff. And, 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 and we talked about heaven and hell this, this month and what we believe in, in all of that. And we talked last week about what we believe as far as the, the inherent, inerrancy of the, the scripture and, and the Bible and what that is to us. And I thought, well, maybe that we should end the month talking about what we believe as far as, you know, things like communion and tithing and, and uh, water baptism and all of those things but all of that is wrapped into I believe Jesus we can get caught in the weeds and we can go through the the theological discussions and talk about doctrine and we can talk about all of that stuff but if we miss Jesus and all of that we will have wasted our time is this too hard for y'all Now, I want you to notice what I didn't say I came up with. I did not say, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to let you have that for just a second because you're thinking. I said, I believe Jesus. I didn't say, I believe in Jesus. And, and, and here's why I say that is because... I read this week in the book of Acts chapter 19 that there was an evil spirit inside of a man. And seven sons of a Jewish priest were trying to cast that evil spirit out of that man. Seven of them. And one of them called that demon out, called that evil spirit out. And that evil spirit said, and you can go to Acts chapter 19 and read this for yourself this week. That evil spirit said through that man, Jesus I know. Paul the apostle I know. But you, I have no idea who you are. Even the evil spirit knew Jesus, believed in Jesus. The problem with the evil spirit was the evil spirit didn't believe Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He knew his name. He knew who he was, but he didn't believe Jesus. Some of us are the same way. At Connections Church and in the church today. We believe in the concept. We believe in Jesus, but we don't believe Jesus. Is that clicking for you? It really clicked for me this week, and I'm hoping it does for you too. We, we can't just believe in Jesus. We have to believe Jesus. That's the difference between believing what your parents said, you believe in what they said, 
and then believing because they brought it to pass. How many of you got whooped? My generation got whooped. Some of y'all need to get whooped. I believe Jesus. What do you believe? And are you solid enough in what you believe to stand in these last days and in the face of those who are pushing their world agenda and their crooked belief system? Are you strong enough to stand? Do you believe enough to stand? Do you know enough about what you're talking about to stand? The day is coming when the church, those who follow Christ, will be pushed harder than we've been pushed so far. We've used the word persecution in church to talk about what others have gone through in other parts of the world for years. But now we feel that persecution and that, that pinch and that pushing and that pressure right here. And so if your eyes have not opened to the, to the fact that that is coming more and more on the Christ follower, the church, I'm here to hopefully wake your eyes up this morning and help you to see and realize persecution is coming like it has never come before. What do you believe? I love to run into people, as Pastor Robert was mentioning, that aren't familiar with our church. They haven't been here. You run, you run into them at a coffee shop or at a store or something, and they say, well, you know, where do you go to church? And you say, well, I'm a, I'm a part of Connections Church. And the question is, what do y'all believe over there? What's going on over there at Connections Church? And I always start with, we believe Jesus. We, we believe in his word. We, we're just a group of people that get together and worship him. And we want to learn what, what he did so that we can go out and tell the world so that they can be saved. And, and on and on and on. But people want to know, what do you believe? And it's up to us to know what we believe and be able to articulate what we believe. That's why we did this study for the, the, the month of October so that we would have some fundamentals so that we could stand firm and say, this is what we believe. We shouldn't be wishy-washy on these things. No one's going to believe you and come to a knowledge of Christ and follow Christ when you're wishy-washy. And so here's some fundamentals for you. This is what I believe. Are you ready? I believe Jesus came. I believe Jesus came. That's number one on my list. And while I was wallowing in whatever emotional garbage dump I was wallowing in this week, that came to my mind, the, the Christmas story. We're getting ready to enter into that season of the year when we celebrate the birth of Christ. And some of you already have your Christmas trees up. Go ahead and admit it. I believe Jesus came. If we don't start there, if we don't lay the groundwork and say, I believe Jesus came, then none of the rest of it is going to make sense. None of the rest of it falls into place. And so while I'm uh, wallowing all of that garbage that I was putting myself through this past week, I reminded myself of the Christmas story and the fact that Christ came to earth. And Jesus came to earth and gave himself 
up from the majesty of the throne that he was on in heaven, all of the, the things that he was familiar with and that were available to him being in heaven with God the Father, and he gave up his authority in heaven, and he came as a man to this earth. He, he came to Bethlehem to endure the manger, to endure the humanness of growing up on this planet. He did that. He came. And it's important that we believe that he came. If he hadn't come, we're all lost in our sins. Do you understand how fundamental I believe Jesus came is? If it didn't happen, we're all lost and we're wasting our time this morning. I believe Jesus came. Number two, I believe Jesus lived. I believe he lived. I believe he had a good time. I believe when he was getting ready to perform his first miracle and turn water into wine, he may have said, hey, y'all watch this. It's just how I process what I read in, in his word and the things that he did is he enjoyed life. We read in the Bible that Jesus grew up like all of us did from an infant to a toddler. He, he, he was a teenager to a man. So he lived. He, he ate. He had to use the bathroom. Right? He lived his life on this earth just like we did. Then he learned about God's word. He, he taught other people what he saw around him. He preached, he ate, he slept. He dealt with parents. He had to. He was put into that submissive structure when he was placed here where he had Mary as his mom and Joseph as his father. So he had to deal with parents. Jesus was here. Grasp that fundamental truth. He came, he lived, he was here. He was walking this planet. I believe Jesus lived. Number three, I believe Jesus loved. We talk about love all the time at church as the basis of everything. Why? Because that's what God's word says. That's what he preached. That's what he showed while he was here. That's what he continues to show is that he loved who did he love? People. People. Stinky people. Messy people. Complicated people. We read through the, the Gospels, the people that Jesus ran into, they weren't all church folk. They weren't all had their lives put together. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I didn't come for those people. I came for the sinner. I came for the lost. I came for the person that's hurting. He sought those people out. Jesus loved those people. We read in the Bible in John chapter 11 that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus that we sang about this morning. But those weren't the only people that Jesus loved, of course. He, he loved his disciples. He, he loved everybody who he came in contact with. Why would he come? Why would he endure? Why would he die? The Bible tells us it's because of that love that he had for people that he went through all of those things. Jesus 
loves me. We used to sing in Sunday school and I started to ask Joe if she knew how to play that before she walked off this stage. Jesus loves me. This I know for the, y'all know that song. So it's the love of Jesus that drives us to have to believe this morning that Jesus loved. Number four, I believe Jesus died. I just believe that. I just, when you study the story of the crucifixion and the, and the burial of Jesus, you will run across commentary that says it's possible he wasn't dead fully. You'll, you'll come across some people who have some ideas and they'll put it out there and you can research that on the internet or read it in some commentaries that Jesus' body appeared to be dead, but that it wasn't Dead. I'm here to tell you this morning that there was an eyewitness account that said, this man is dead. He wasn't almost dead. He wasn't slightly dead. He wasn't just limp or asleep. Jesus was dead. As the blood drained from the wounds in his side and in his hands and in his feet and the weight of his body hanging on the cross suffocated him because he could no longer get oxygen enough in his lungs to keep his organs running and his brain shut down and all of the functions shut down. Jesus Christ died. This is important. This is the I believe stuff. What do you believe? I believe Jesus died. He had to have died in order to have accomplished The next step. In the book of Mark chapter 15, it says that there was a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier is important because this wasn't one of Jesus' people. This wasn't one of the disciples. This was on the opposite team. He was a Roman soldier. And Mark chapter 15 says that that Roman soldier was standing at the foot of the cross the day Jesus died. He was there. And that man... You read it in Mark chapter 15. It's in quotations. They quote this Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross. And that Roman soldier said, surely this man was the son of God. Was. If your English lessons were ever important to you, this would be a moment. He didn't say, surely this man is the son of God. He said, was. What does that tell us? He ain't there anymore. The Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross saw Jesus die. He was dead. I believe Jesus died. Number five, I believe Jesus arose. Oh, we like that one. We didn't get so excited about, I believe Jesus died. But when we say, I believe Jesus arose, and we're all on board with that. In the church world, we call it Easter 101. We like to light up the stage. We want to roll away the stone. And we want an image of who we think Jesus looks like to come forth. I believe Jesus arose. He didn't stay dead. He was dead, but now he was back to life. How do we know that? Because this book tells us that many people saw him the days after he was dead, walking the streets and teaching and preaching. They saw him after he was dead. He came back to life with resurrection power. He defeated death, hell, and the grave forever. I believe 
Jesus arose. Number six, I believe Jesus said. S-A-I-D. I believe he spoke. I believe there were some things that he said that we should key in on. As in his earthly ministry, Jesus said a lot of really good stuff. Those of you who have red letter versions of your Bible can go through there and in red ink, you can see the things that are directly quoted that Jesus said. But those aren't the only things he said. He said some things in our word through other people, through the apostles, through other teachers and authors in this Bible. So everything in the book, Jesus said. Jesus said a lot of stories. He told a lot of parables, they called it, to people to explain to them things that they would be familiar with. That's why we read a lot in the New Testament about wedding ceremonies because people were familiar with that. It was a bigger process than even it is today. And so Jesus used those parables, those illustrations to tell people about the kingdom that was coming to pass and about who he was by telling them stories. So we have to learn what did Jesus say when we're talking to people about Jesus or Christianity or coming to Connections Church or their faith. If we were to say, well, Jesus said a lot of good stuff and they said, well, what did he say? What would you say he said? How many do you know that he said so that you can tell others what he said? Here's one for you at least. Here's what I would tell him. It's in John chapter 14. While he was talking to his closest friends at that time, the disciples, Jesus said these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Isn't that a timely message for us today? Do not let your hearts be troubled. He continues, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. That's good news. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. If we want to tell somebody what Jesus said, that would be a good place to start. We, we, we know John 3.16 would be a good place to start, but we could also tell them about this promise that Jesus said so that they know if they would receive him, they can go to heaven too. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know you're walking through some stuff. I know the world has got you down. I know that you feel disappointed in yourself. I know that the last week didn't go as planned. I know that you hurt the people you love. I know. But don't let your heart be troubled. Here's something else I believe Jesus said. This one's not in red letters in your Bible, but it is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He said this through Paul. These words, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Jesus said through Paul that through himself, Jesus Christ, we are all children of God. 
How? Through faith. So last week, while some of us weren't having the greatest week and we're beating ourselves up, I'm looking in the mirror at myself and I'm trying to find something to be positive about, but all I'm feeling is disgust and, and, and anxiousness and, and, and all of that that we go through as humanness. God says, I don't see you like that. Jesus says, when you look in the mirror, I want you to see me. I struggled last week with how he sees me versus how I see me. He doesn't see me disappointing other people, disappointing myself, being inconsistent in my prayer life, or not even feeling like reading the Bible. He doesn't see me like that because I have Jesus in me, because I follow Christ, because I live my life for him. When God the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. Jesus has covered all of that. Even though I see it, even though I'm disappointed, even though when I look in the mirror, that's what I see. God says, I don't see that. I see my son. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Has anybody got children in the room? And haven't those children disappointed you at times? Haven't they done some things you specifically said don't do? But when you look at them, you don't see that. You see your child. You see the part of the child that, that you can be proud of. You see the potential in that child. You see the fact that they gave it a shot. Yeah, they failed, but you still love them. That's how God sees you. We've all disappointed one another. We've all disappointed him. We've all broken the rules, but when he looks at us, he says, you are my child. Remember that bad week I told you about last week when I saw myself as unworthy, undisciplined, a failure, a disappointment? God sees me as covered and saved and loved. I believe Jesus said Number seven, I believe Jesus saves. His sole purpose in coming to earth is to save. Jesus saves to the utmost, to the furthermost. Do you realize that in saving you, Jesus is doing something that you couldn't do for yourself? He, he's closing a gap that you couldn't build a bridge to, to close. He's, he's solving your biggest problem. Do you know what your biggest problem was or is, it's sin. It's not that you can't make up your mind what you're going to do with your life. That's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is not deciding where you're going to live or where you're going to go to school or what you're going to buy with the little bit of money that you've been entrusted with to manage. Your biggest problem is sin. Why? Because sin separated us from God. That's your biggest problem. And in Jesus coming and in Jesus paying that debt, he solves the problem of sin, our biggest problem. He lived, he died, he came, he spoke, and when he was done with all of that, Jesus said, if you'll repent of your sins and follow me, I will repair the damage that was done for you and restore the relationship between you and God. He did it. We can't do it. We're not capable 
And I'm here to tell us this morning and remind us one more time. There's no sin so great. There's no deed so dirty. There's no number of times so many that Jesus can't save. And can I just add this? Once Jesus saves you, you're saved. It's a done deal. Now some of you want to fight me on that. And I, I'm not here this morning, nor will I be on Monday, to get into a discourse with you or discuss the theology behind that. I'm not here to talk about Calvinism or Armenians or once saved, always saved, or I got to get saved every Sunday. I wish we didn't always have to go there. I wish that didn't always have to be the conversation. Let's just do this. I believe Jesus Christ is the one and only way to be saved from my sins. And he did not suffer the wrath of God that I owe for nothing. And so when I repented of my sins and I believe Jesus, the old Scott died. A new creation was born. That's what we sang about earlier about being born again. At that moment, my past is gone. Amen? We should be excited about that. If we believe that this is true, then when our past is gone, something inside us should light up. God no longer looks at me and sees me in my despair. He looks at me and sees his son, Jesus. My destination instantly changes from hell to heaven. He is everything to me. My thoughts should always be with him. My time here on earth that's left will be spent praising him for the work that he did on the cross. My time will be spent serving and loving people because that's what he did. And my whole heart, my whole soul, and my whole mind will go towards loving God and loving my neighbor as myself. You're saved. The work that Jesus did on the cross is not reversible. I believe that. The work that he did in me to save me is not reversible either. How could it be that he could shed his blood and die and save me, and we call it reborn, but yet we think, in our selfishness, I think, that I can walk away from that, what he did. It's not possible. You don't have the strength to save yourself and you can't unsave yourself. You didn't work your way into salvation and you can't work your way out. The Bible refers to you as a follower of Christ, as a slave. You're locked up. You're now bound to the one who saved your soul. You were chosen. You are saved. But pastor, what about what I did in the past? What about what I did yesterday? I'm telling you that if you received Christ, you're saved. I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did yesterday. You see, the devil is always trying to remind us of what we did yesterday. Because that's all he's got. His whole bag of tools, his whole arsenal is based on yesterday. But this word right here says... We're looking towards the future. You can't go on what happened yesterday. He focuses on yesterday because that's all he's got to work with. But if we keep our eyes not on what happened yesterday, but on what is happening in the future, we will understand the salvation that we have. The problem is, 
We don't live in that salvation. We want to live in yesterday. When life was such an easy game to play. The devil may be the ruler of yesterday, but praise God Almighty, Jesus is the ruler of tomorrow. And I'm looking for tomorrow, not yesterday. Now you can open your Bible to Romans chapter 8. I want to end like this. For those of you who have felt what I felt last week, and you almost gave up, you almost gave in. For those of you who will feel that this week, it's coming. For those of you who will face this next week or the week after or the week after that, this is an extremely relevant but popular verse that says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not miss the word now in that verse. Now. Let's make it real. Let's make it relevant. Let's make it today for all of us. There is now no condemnation. There was It existed. The condemnation was real. That same condemnation I was heaping on myself last week. It was real at some point in my life. But this says that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's the key. There's the hinge point. There's the decision that has to be made. If you're in Christ Jesus, then now there is no condemnation. So, I look at myself in the mirror and start heaping the condemnation on myself. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, through the faith that I have put in him, says, now there's no condemnation. Stop it. Remember, he's a father. He's going to correct. He's, stop that. Stop that. There is therefore now no condemnation. So you can tell the devil, who's a liar, and the reminders of yesterday, that they have no power over you. Because now, there is no condemnation. Because I am in Christ Jesus. I believe Jesus saves. If you believe that, stand to your feet. I want us to be the victorious warriors that he says we are. She, she wants to be. She, she's with me. She's with me. He's with me back. I want us to be the joyous Christ followers that he says we should be. And, and I don't want to have a week like I had times last week, but they're going to happen. I'm going to have more. I'm not instantly, just because I vocalized it to you and, and, and showed myself to you today, it's not just over, right? Next week, I could face worse. I could face the same thing. I could be disappointed in myself again. But we have to live 
in Romans 8 and say, there is no condemnation for me. Why? Because I am in Christ Jesus. So as you close your eyes, I just have to ask this question. Are you in Christ Jesus? Because I don't want you to live in condemnation. I don't want you to keep heaping that on yourself and looking in the mirror and being disappointed in who you are. I want you to be able to stand in the presence of God and see yourself the way he sees you as a victor, as victorious over these things in our lives, as someone who couldn't do it on their own, but put their trust and their confidence in Jesus Christ and stand here today as a child of the most high God. Are you in Christ? Folks, we don't have much time left to get our situation straight, to to get our testimony straight, to be able to say what we believe. So maybe today, you just need to be able to walk down here with me and and, and give me the privilege of praying with you. And let's let's just put it in stone right here today that you believe Jesus. You just want to make that commitment. And so we don't have a a lot of time because I always preach too long. And then I have to hear about it on Monday morning. So I'm just asking you quickly, would you just be willing to raise your hand in in this time when everybody's got their eyes closed, nobody's looking around and just say, Pastor, don't forget about me in this closing prayer. I want to put my trust in this Jesus you're talking about. I don't know all the details. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I I don't know all the details and and I don't want to get tied up in the weeds with all the stuff. I I just want to give my life to him. I just want to put my trust in him. I just want to be able to say, I believe Jesus. Anybody else? Quickly across the room. Has anybody else struggled last week like I did? They would be willing to raise their hand and just say, hey, Thank you this morning. God spoke through you. And I know this morning, I, I remember now, I'm, I'm reconvinced, if you will. Thank you, thank you. All these hands going up that I believe Jesus. Would you take that next step? Would you be willing to walk down here and let me pray with you? Let one of the other staff members come and pray with you. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ come and and pray with you. Would you just move from your seat? Thank you. Move from your seat now and come down here and do business with God. This isn't about you or the person beside you or the person that's seeing you walk down here. This is between you and your Jesus. Do you believe him or not? Then you come down here and and you tell him. We're going to spend just a few moments. Time is short. In this service, we're going to spend just a few moments praying and then we're going to sing and then we're going to have to go out into that world. So you make sure before you leave here that you have your situation straight and you know what you believe this morning. Will you do it? Heavenly Father, we just bask in you in this moment. We just reverence ourselves because we understand that we're standing in the presence of our God, the creator. God, we want to feel confident in what we believe. And so in this moment, we vocalize. We make it personal. I believe Jesus. Would you say that? Would you be willing to say that? I believe Jesus. That means everything you did, Jesus, and everything you said, and everything you are, and everything you will be, I believe. And now for the person who 
may have raised their hand or maybe they didn't and they haven't put their complete confidence and their trust in you. They've never dedicated their life to you. It's so simple, even a child can understand it. And that shouldn't make us feel bad. That should give us confidence and hope that we can do this with your help. We simply just pray, Jesus, save me. I believe Jesus can save anybody from anything at any time in their life. I believe that. Jesus, save me. And as you pray that, and as you tell him in your quiet time and repent, the Bible says it's important for us to repent. Don't skip that step. Don't think you're getting out of it because you, you just prayed, Jesus, save me. You've got to spend some time telling him in, in your private time and in your prayer time. Maybe it's right here at the foot of this altar and say, I, I regret this. I am sorry for this. I want to turn from this. That's what repentance means is to turn from where you were going away from that. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you're now saving people. I thank you that you're now reconfirming in people what they believe so that they can stand firm. God, would you help us all to be able to stand firm in these last days? People are going to push us. The world's going to come in with everything they've got. But they've got nothing compared to the power of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we enjoy that resurrection power that now lives inside of us, as we ground ourselves in your word and, and in prayer and in relationship with you so that we can know what we believe, I just pray that the winds and the, the oceans of this world as they crash against us would have no bearing. They would not be able to move us. We stand firm in you today. We stand firm in you. And ask all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you worship him together with us one last time?